All right, we are back. Episode four of the Under the Number podcast, this time with Walker Little, current Jacksonville Jaguar, former Stanford Cardinal, former number one recruit in the country, consensus five-star, all Pac-12, every honor in the book, 45th pick of the 2021 NFL draft and has been with the Jags since then. So he's joining us from Jacksonville, Florida today. Walker, yeah. thanks for jumping on. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I'm glad we could do it. You know, I, I mentioned right at the start, you were the number one by 24-7 sports and probably multiple other outlets. You were the number one rated player in the country. Yeah. Any position. Your five-star yeah. ranking is literally like 0.995, which... Yeah, I think 24-7 <laughs> was like the one that loved me the most, but it kind of turns out that that's what most people, I think, use to like Google. Um, so most people like see that first. And so it was pretty funny. Like whenever you, I feel like whenever you join an NFL team, you get more heat for that kind of stuff more than you get <laughs> praise. So like when people found that out, especially when I was a rookie, I was just like, oh God, like when, when's it coming? And then they, someone Googled at some point and I walked in, they had my whole like recruiting page up on the board. And I was like, oh no, and just got slammed. I mean, List, the listing is six seven three fifteen, which is a pretty sizable high school kid. Uh -huh. Did you ever? We talked about it a little bit before the show. Did you ever have a single matchup in high school that was a test for you? Yeah, I mean, in like actual our like actual football games, like not really. I mean, there was probably a game here or there where I was like, all right, this guy's more legit than the rest. But I can't remember like a high school game where I felt like stressed. Like most of that came in camps. And like, I knew that going into it in terms of like recruiting purposes, that, that camps were going to mean more to me than for other kids. Cause I wasn't at a big time, like six, a high school football where they could just like watch the tape and be like, Oh, this kid's great. A lot of it was, I was going against tiny private school white guys that <laughs> I was expected to crush. So, well, to be fair, not all the guys in, in your high school tape are that small. They're really. Yeah probably normal sized humans yeah, and if you haven't watched the tape you need to do yourself a favor i haven't even said it yet walker's a left tackle um i guess he's played right tackle and left tackle now but uh yeah. it is a sight to behold watching yeah. pancake on, after dude. pancake after pancake yeah i mean high school football was a blast and like especially being as big as i was then it was just like so easy and like <laughs> <laughs> it was such a rude awakening, like coming to college and realizing that like guys were actually going to be like the same size as me and strong, if not stronger than me. And so that was definitely a rude awakening because all of high school, it was just like grab a kid and just start running him until he falls over. And then it's like easy pancakes over and over again. So, well, before we even get to college, I guess I want to take it back middle school, high school when, I mean, I assume you weren't six, seven, three, fifteen in elementary school. But when did you when did you uh, get that that yeah, size? I, mean, I was always like a big kid, like always the biggest kid in my grade. I for the longest time it was like I would grow three inches a year, like from as long as I can remember. Like through elementary school, it was just like every year I'd grow three inches until I got to high school. I was six four, like my freshman year, and I was like skinnier. I mean, I was like two twenty, two thirty, which like in real life is not skinny, but like for me, I looked a lot lankier if you look at pictures. Yeah. 
And, but yeah, I mean, I, I was on varsity as a freshman because I was one of the biggest guys on the team because we were a private school and they hadn't seen anything like how big I was there. So play as a freshman, like wasn't really a force because I was just like skinny. And I mean, I was what, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. And then, yeah, I grew, I gained a lot of weight. I got to probably like 270, like my sophomore year. And I was probably a little bit taller, like six, five. And then junior year, I got to like 290. And then like my senior year, I was like right around 300, 305. You say that you weren't much of a force freshman year. That's still something if I'm a scout, if I have catch any sort of wind that there's a kid with a huge frame who's 6'4", 240 yeah, sure. as a freshman, I'm probably yeah. going to pay attention and he's playing varsity. When yeah. did the coaches actually start knocking? When were you getting the first bit um, of communication? Well, so the thing that helped me out a lot as well is there was another kid at my school named Morgan Wilson, and he was enormous as well. I mean, he was he was even bigger than me as like a freshman and a sophomore. Like, he was six. I was as tall as him, but he was just a lot bigger. He was probably like six four, like two seventy as a freshman, and he kind of took off in the recruiting world like a lot quicker than I did, both on websites and like with coaches. So probably like my sophomore year, coaches started coming out a lot um, to see him. And then I think naturally they'd see me. And it also helped because since he was a D lineman, like when they would come watch us, like we would be going against each other a lot. And like I was able to hold my own like time to time. So there was like, well, if this guy, because I mean, I think he was a five-star by the time we were a sophomore. Like, wow. Where did he, like, he end up going to school? He went to Florida State. Okay. Uh, but he was similar, like had offers from everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, that like helped me out a ton because that like exposure, just like on the daily of people coming to see him and they'd see me, um, and they knew he was legit. So then they were, had to assume I was, if I was competing with them, that helped me a ton. So I'd say sophomore spring ball was like my first offer. Um, it was the university of Texas, which was like crazy because I'm being like a kid from Texas. That was like such a big deal. It was such a big deal, also just for like kids at my school, like friends. Like they, no one could believe that that I like had an offer one that early too from like that school. Yeah. So that was sweet. Um, that was when Charlie Strong was there, and so and they were like a big part of my recruitment the whole time. Um, I loved, I loved like going up there. I loved Coach Strong, um, and so yeah, that was cool. And then from there, it just kind of like steadily took off just got like more and more offers. And then it kind of got to a point where like coaches would just call an offer just to like put their name in the hat. If that makes yeah. sense. Like yeah. just schools that were like random to me, like Maryland would randomly be there. Just be like, Hey, like, don't know if you would ever come, but like, we'd love to like extend an offer. I'd be like, all right, thanks. And like, that would be it. Or like, it was just like random schools that I knew I was never going to go to. And they probably knew I wasn't going to go to. Yeah, but they were in there, like in Houston, doing the recruiting rounds. And we're like, we can't not like offer you. And then like Jalen Waddle was also at my high school. Wow, really? So like, yeah. So like when when I got a little older and he was a little older, like it was me, this kid Marvin, and Jalen. Like we're all five stars in the same high school. So we had like quite the carousel of coaches like coming in. When I mean, like Nick Saban would fly in, he was like at our school walking through. Jim Harbaugh was there. Jimbo Fish would be there. Ed Ogeron would be there. Like, it was just, it was a wild time. It was honestly probably more wild for just, like, the student body 
because they would just be hanging out at lunch yeah. and like Saban would like walk by and everyone would just be like, what? And just like go like glued to the glass and like I'd get pulled out of class. I mean, by the time it was like my junior to senior year, you were getting pulled out of class like three, four times a day. Like I, not every day, but every other day or so. And like, there was just certain days where I feel like all the coaches would come and like almost every class it was like, Hey Walker, like, Coach Lees, who was like our high school head coach, would be outside, and I'd be like, "All right, just a second. I'd go out there, like, say hey to them, and then they'd be like, "Hey, I just want to know, like, we stopped by, like, would love to talk, like, later on." And then, yeah, I'm in the thick of it. Like my senior year, it was like Wednesday was the day I'd like tell coaches. At some point, someone was like, "You should tell coaches there's only one day they can call you." <laughs> and so I made like Wednesday nights the day. Yeah. And so, like, Wednesdays, I would just get, like, blown up. And, like, by probably, like, 8 o'clock on, I mean, I was on phone calls until, like, I'd go to sleep that night. And, like, one coach would call me while I was on with the other, and I'd be, like, texting the other coach, hey, like, give me a sec. While I was on one, it was just a mess. And, like, that, at that point, I was, like, so ready to be done with recruitment. And you're also, like, going on official visits during that time. It was just like, it was weird because you didn't feel like much of a high schooler at times. You're going on official visits. You're missing a lot of stuff because of that. You're getting pulled out of class all the time. You're getting phone calls all the time. And it's awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, it was just a weird time for sure. And then towards, like, the end, like, getting close to Christmas, you're just like, all right. Like, I want to commit somewhere so I can just be done. And, like, for me, I knew it was going to be between, like, Stanford and Texas and then once, like, Charlie Strong got fired, I was like, all right, like, Stanford's the place for me. Coach Shaw was the model of stability and had yep. built, like, such a great program. And then um, they'd run, the like, the Rose Bowl, like, the year before. They were still yep. good the year I was, you know, going to be going in. Um, McCaffrey and Solomon Thomas had just gotten the first round. So it was really, like, Stanford football was, like, at its peak. And I think now when I tell people I went to Stanford and then they find out like I'm from Houston, they're always yeah. like, what, like, why'd you go there? And I always have to kind of explain to them like, well, I, know, I was between, you know, Texas and Stanford and this was kind of where Texas is at. I think people forget how good Stanford was. Absolutely. Um, obviously like in recent years, like we've fallen off a good bit. And I think NIL has only made it harder for us, but yeah. And we were really good for like a long time and had a lot of really great players, and a lot of guys that are still playing around the league. Oh, totally. And I think that's an interesting point that you're almost having to like defend the decision now. For sure. It, it's obviously a, that's a reflection of just the state of the program at the moment, yeah. unfortunately. And I think yeah. something that's it's interesting, Stanford pulls players from across the entire country. Like I think yeah. it's a very unique locker room in that way. And it's probably yeah. more like geographically diverse than just about any school, certainly any FBS school. Um, how did that actually work? Number one, I have a few questions for you. Did you have a team growing up? Who was your college team? Uh, I didn't have necessarily a team. My dad went to Tech. My mom went to Stephen F. Austin. I've been Texas Tech when I say Tech. Yep. So like, I wasn't cheering for Stephen F. Austin. And Texas <laughs> Tech was like not great. And then they were really good when like Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree were there. Yeah. And it was kind of like a three-horse race for the Big 12 between them, OU, and Texas. Yeah. And they were kind of training it back and forth for years. And then I was like a Texas Tech fan because it was like fun to watch. But then after that, like they kind of went back to being irrelevant, especially if your leash left. Yeah. And then like I'd cheer for Texas, 
Because at that point, it was kind of like you were either a Texas fan or an A&M fan. I felt like if you were in the state of Texas, and I just did never, I never vibed with A&M. Like, the weird traditions and stuff, I was like, all right, <laughs> that's not for me. So, like, I was, I was a Texas fan at that point. Um, but it wasn't like I was a diehard. Like, I wasn't going to UT games. I wasn't, like, tuning into every game. It's just, like, if Texas was in a primetime matchup, I was like, oh, like, I want Texas to win this game. Um but yeah, I mean, by the time I'd gotten to high school, like I definitely didn't have a team. Yeah. But I think anyone who grows up in the state of Texas, like big schools like a Texas or an A and M, they're just so massive and like the yeah. state, and you know how much it means. And like, I thought it was always going to be like so cool to go to a school like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, things just kind of shape up how they do, and I think it was just kind of God's plan for me to go elsewhere, and I'm so thankful for it just because of how much. I felt like I grew from leaving the state of Texas and two, just, I felt like the Stanford program did so much for me both on and off the field and just people I met um, like yourself and others that were just like great guys and, and great men that I don't know if I, I, I wouldn't have ever met elsewhere. And like you said, Stanford cast such a wide net. So, I mean, leaving school, you have friends from like all over the country um, and you can go to like so many different cities and meet yeah. up with people. And I don't think that's the case for a lot of universities. Um, and so that, that's really something that I've like loved and cherished since then. And obviously too, I get to see probably the most guys just week to week, uh, you know, playing the league, which is also always cool. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's totally true. On top of what you just said. Were your friends, your high school friends, family, did you feel people trying to influence your decision? Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Uh, my parents wanted me to go to Stanford, like cut and dry, um, and for the right reasons as well. It was just like, how are you going to pass up an opportunity to get a free ride to go to one of the best schools on the face of the planet? Like, this isn't like given to a lot. And then on top of it, you're going to get to play really great football and still pursue your dreams to play in the NFL. Like. It was all there, which is why I made the decision. But for a long time, like my heart wanted to go to Texas and like wanted to be able to run out on the field with the Texas flag in my hand and like be a Longhorn and just like be in Austin and all that. And then yeah. I, my school had to have been 60 to 70% like UT fans or families or whatever. So yeah, I mean, so many dads and just people I'd meet out and we're just constantly, hey, hook them horns, like, yeah, I hope to see you there next season, whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, you're going to help us, like, bring it back. Like, and just, like, that was just very constant. Um, How about fellow yeah. recruits? I know that fellow recruits oftentimes will say, hey, man, I committed yeah. to Texas. Let's For go. Sure. Let's, let's For me, gang it up. was, and... like, Sam Ellinger was the quarterback and, like, yeah. the big recruiting leader. And I, yeah. I love Sam now and loved him then. And, like, he was a great guy. And he committed – earlier that year and so like, we were we talked a lot um and whenever i'd go up to visits I and mean, he was from westlake so whenever i'd go up to visit he usually would like make a point to come up and at least see me for a day or two and like watch the game together and stuff yeah so yeah i mean i had pressure up in there as well um but that one like sam never felt like real like pressure it was more so just like hey like, this would be sweet like, yeah yeah and i was like yeah like, i agree um, did, you, did you end up taking all five of your official visits? No, I honestly think I only took three because 
so I went to Florida State, which that one wasn't really like a real one. That was just like I wanted to go on an official visit to Florida State. Like I didn't think I was ever gonna go there, but I went there like Halloween weekend and it was awesome. Like so much fun. And so that I knew like going into it, I was like, I'm not ever gonna go here, but like this sounds awesome. So like went and then I took one to Georgia, which was sweet. Went into it with the same mindset and then left being like, damn, I wanna go to Georgia. Uh I Kirby had just gone there. It was like his going into his second year, I wanna say. And then like Sam Pittman was their O-line coach and he was just an absolute stud, like loved him as a coach. Like he solely like almost got me to go to Georgia because he was just a great guy, like loved him. And then I had a great time. Jacob Eason was like the QB at the time. Yep. And he like took me out afterwards and they'd just be in Auburn. And like, it was a huge game towards the end of the year. And like, we just had an absolute time in Athens and, <laughs> That was so fun as well, which definitely played a part in me like wanting to go to Georgia at the time. Um, but then, yeah, I think, and after that, I took an, uh, my official at Stanford, but that was after I'd already committed because Texas at the time pretty much was like jockeying, like, no, don't take your official visit like until like way later on that like, we want to be like the last one. Yeah. And I was kind of like, uh, uh, and then. Ole Miss was the other team that was in play, but my brother and sister like both went to Ole Miss. And so I visited so many times. So I didn't yeah. really feel like I needed to do an official. Yeah. I'd been, I don't even know, eight, nine times by that point to go like visit them and also do like a little bit of recruiting stuff. Um, so yeah, I did those three. Yeah. And then Stanford was my last one, which was like the big visit in January. And so at that point I already committed and kind of let everyone know. Um, so I, I committed, I think like mid December. Um, so yeah, that was sweet. Did you see one thing that I've spoken to, uh, both KJ Costello and Conrad Ucrapina on this, this, uh, podcast about is it's so funny on the Stanford campus because there are just so many things going on and students yeah. have their heads everywhere working on different things. Sure. They hardly bat an eye at a football player 100%. where, you know, I'm sure there were classes where people would look at, you know, six, seven. 300 something pound Walker little sit down and be like, yeah. oh, it's kind of a really big guy in my English class. I don't know. Oh, he's, he's large. I, I mean, don't know what he's up to. I've always tried to explain it. Like people had bigger and better things going on than like to worry about football. We're like, that's just not the case at most schools. Like the biggest thing going on is the football team and like, not to like take away from football. Like I obviously love it. And it was a big deal to me, but I mean, these people were the best in the world, whatever they were doing. And like, their Super Bowl was a lot different than like what my Super Bowl is. So yeah, yeah. like they were worried with their own stuff like weekly to week. And obviously all of us at times were like wish it was more of a football school and people were coming around to like watch us more. But at the same time, like I never was like mad about it because I was like, I respect what they do as well. Like yeah. they do stuff I could never do and like yeah. deserve a ton of praise and they were geniuses and just brilliant people and so yeah. that was and that's also just like a, a great part of Sanford that we all got to deal with was running into just some of the most brilliant and like amazing people totally did you pick up when you were on the other visits did you kind of get the uh instant sense of maybe a different dynamic with the players being you know people oh, kind of yeah, worshiping sure. the I ground remember, they walk on I remember like, I went on a visit to Ole Miss and this was and this was my sophomore year maybe 
She's like 16 years old. Yeah, I think I was 16. I might have in my junior high school. I might have been 17. But Shea Patterson was the quarterback there. And, I mean, he was like God's yeah. gift to earth to Oxford, Mississippi. And he was walking on water. And he – I don't even think he had played yet. He was still uh, – he was like – had gone there early. And it was like into his freshman year. And so it was like spring. And I went out with him – on just like a normal visit and we went to a bar that my so my brother and sister like went to school there so they knew all the bars and i remember i texted my sister and she was like where are you where are y'all going out and i told her and she was like oh my god like how did you get in like they don't let anyone over 21 and i was like i don't know i'm, just, I'm with shay and like he's kind of dealing <laughs> with it all and like boom we get in like not paying for like any drinks just everyone coming up to take pictures with them and i was just like wow like this is sick and I it was similar like all the other schools I went to that weren't Stanford. So yeah, like you see what life is and that stuff is definitely like appealing. It's like really cool and makes the college football experience amazing. Um, and I think that's like one of the hardest parts of the decision to go to Stanford, but it's also something that's cool. Like when you get there, you know, all the kids had that like similar mindset and like came into it with the right reasons being like, I'm here to be a part of a really good football team and to do school. And like, I don't care about the rest of it that comes with it. Like, and I felt like that was like a really cool, like kinship that we had on, on the team of like, we're here just to play ball. And like none of the other BS matters. Like we don't care how many people are in the stands. We don't care where we have to play. Like we don't care about the praise we get from anyone else. Like we're just here and we're here to like play for each other. Totally. Yeah. I think that the, uh, it's, it might be kind of hard to convince yourself of it or to, to digest it when you're, you know, just a high schooler. But the yeah. on the constantly repeated line in Stanford recruiting that you're making a 40-year decision, not a four-year decision. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people ultimately are like, you know what, I think I think that's right. And I think that's what I want to do. And yeah. after the fact, everyone, I mean, maybe there are some exceptions, but people are so grateful to have made that decision. In retrospect, yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, and I think even more so, like, guys that are past their football days, like, out of the NFL, like, totally done, and they're like, all right, like, let's get a job. Yeah. I think, at least from my, you know, knowledge, is where people are like, wow, like, that was a good choice I made when I was 17 years old. Yeah. Um, even more so, I mean, I'm obviously so grateful now, but I know it'll come more into play, like, once I'm done playing. Yeah. So let's talk about the transition to Stanford. You know, you mentioned that you basically could hardly find a challenge, you know, outside of maybe some camps. You went to the yeah. opening, right? Did you do the opening with Nike? Yeah. So like all the camps were definitely hard. Like you were going against good guys. And yeah, like that's kind of like how I was able to become like a five star was I would go to these camps and it was always a deal like, all right, this kid dominates like his high school competition, but like, let's see if he can do it against like the best players. And yeah. I would do well at our regional ones in like Houston. And then I got invited to like the national ones and ended up doing well there. And then like what really like, I think put me to like, at least for 21, 24, seven to put me as like their number one was at the all American game. I did really well. Was this the army like, game? Yeah. The army game. And they kind of grade you off practices more than the game itself. Like they already have their decisions pretty much about you before the game's ever played. Because you only play like a few snaps before they pull you out because they got to cycle so many guys in. Um, so like the practices are the big deals, like the one-on-ones at practices. And so I did really well there. And 
I remember after that being like, wow, like, I felt like I kind of played a complete week this week. That's like, sweet. And then I was like driving home one day from school and I got a call from a number I didn't know. And I answered assuming it was a coach. And it was like the guy from 24 seven being like, Hey, like you did so well. Like we're going to make you like our number one overall recruit. And I was just like, Oh my God. And at that wow. time I was kind of like, wow, like I finessed the system. Like, I don't know how I did this. <laughs> like I was just, it was cool though. Like it's something that I can like say I did when I'm way older. Um, and it was like a cool accomplishment at the time, but I don't know. I never like held it to any like high regard because it was always kind of like you knew that college was right around the corner and that everything was going to get shaken up and you were bottom of the barrel again. Um, and so, and definitely too, like, like you said, like you go to probably most big time schools and being the number one recruit holds a lot higher regard than like showing up at Stanford. I don't think anyone knew like how highly rated I was or what I did in high school. So it definitely made it a lot easier too to like kind of shrug that off and move on. Right. So then you get to Stanford and the competition, obviously the level of competition just goes through the roof. And if you're, when you're a freshman, uh, you show up and your first day in pads is just training camp Mm -hmm. and the guys who are older, they know how practices run. They know the playbook. They know, they know the drill. And when you're a freshman, it's just like, fall in line, figure it out. You're going to get matched up against a senior, a junior, a guy who's 22 years old in a fifth year. Like they, uh, they do not discriminate in that regard. Sure. So what was that first training camp like in particular? Yeah. I mean, I remember early on it just being an absolute mess and like not knowing what I was doing, especially the playbook. I mean, Sanford's playbook was so hard. I mean, it's a, it's a pro playbook. I mean, it's the same thing that, kids struggle with that have done four years of college under their belt and then they get to an NFL team and you gotta learn that. Like you're trying to learn out of high school and it's just like what I mean it's a whole new language and I think people don't understand that side of it so much is like, oh like how hard could it be? Especially when they watch NFL teams and they see kind of mental errors. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think they understand like like I would try to I talk to like a lot of guys who like were coding at Stanford, like computer science majors. And they have to learn their like whole new languages and code. And I was like, I mean, to a lesser degree, it's a whole new language. Like you got to learn the whole number systems and different fronts and how that, you know, changes what play you're running, where your aiming points are and how you're going to put your head there and your hands here. And there's just so many, like it goes down to so micro, but then you got to be able to zoom out and also know where the play's going to hit and where the back's aiming point is. And like, how many steps he's going to take or how many steps the quarterback's going to be dropping back. And so you kind of like just get caught zooming in and out and how again, really pigeonhole about your position, but then having to figure out what the guy next to you is doing. And so, I mean, at first it's just a mess. You're just trying to not screw up pretty much. Like you're just completely survival mode, just hoping that you run the play right. You're not even thinking about trying to win the matchup. Like you're just hoping you go the right direction so that you don't ruin the whole play. And so, I mean, that went on for probably, I'd say the first, like, half of it, 14, 15 days of just, like, yeah. trying to keep your head above water. And then you kind of start, you know, after that many reps and stuff, you start running a lot of the same plays and start kind of figuring out some of them and being like, all right, I've done this before. Um, and then you can kind of start worrying about a little bit more about just winning, like, actually, like, winning the matchups. Right. Um, and as time went, like, 
you know, you steadily start winning more and more. And then like one-on-ones, it's kind of its own deal because that's just pass protection. And I felt like that was something I was good at just coming in. Um, and what led to me to be able to like play early was that I was good at pass protection, which is kind of its own like world. I mean, you have to know what the pass play is, but the, and then at, at, you know, once it's a pass play, it's one-on-one, like you beat right. your guy, especially at Temple. It's you and the defensive end and like, don't lose. And so I was good at that from like this, like from being young. Um, and so like once I was able to start figuring out the run plays, uh, I was able to kind of start getting more time on the field. What about from a physicality perspective? Do you have any moments from that first camp where you were maybe humbled or just even taken aback? Like, wow, this is what a strong yeah, matchup I mean, feels lot, like. There was a lot. I remember like there was reps going against like Harrison Phillips. And like trying to do like a deuce block and just getting absolutely stoned and being like, how can a human ever move this man? And like, truth be told, like, I don't even know, like people start in the NFL to move that guy. Like, I mean, he's a beast, but I remember that. I remember like Mike Tyler, who was a defensive end for us, like my freshman camp, like first play out the gate, just bull rush onto my back. And I was just like, oh my God, like I'm never gonna, and I should have known, I mean, I guess I should have I'd never done it before, but like as a freshman coming in, like obviously a fifth year is just gonna bull rush you to oblivion first play to like assert dominance, which yeah. like he should have, and I would have done the same thing. Yeah. And then but yeah, I mean it takes like those reps just getting humbled and being like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to play at this level. <laughs> like to where like you're just kinda like just put your head down and like keep going. And then you'll get little slivers like here and there of like, oh like I remember I'll play like vividly in my freshman camp where we were running a uh like forty six power and boom, I'm on a deuce and then uh I can't remember his name, whatever. And I came off and just like depleted him. I remember like our O line coach at the time, um, Mike Bloomgren went like berserk and I was like, Wow, like, I actually did something good for once. Like, because until then I'd only begin ripped to shreds by every coach, like yeah, and at that point you got you just get like little plays like that where you're like, okay, like maybe I can, and then you know you'll get humbled in another play, but it just starts building where you're like, okay, like maybe there is like light at the end of this tunnel, um, and then yeah, like we we got into that like first season. I, I was not playing. We my first game ever though. We went to Australia to go play Rice, which was just a wild like first game traveling you know, 17 hours across the world. Super cool experience looking back on it, but so stressful at the time. Um, And we played Rice and we were out probably 50 at half. And then I got to go in in the second half, which like looking back, Rice was not on the same level of us, but I was so nervous to like go into an actual game and just like probably looks terrible and just like, but it was like so nice to kind of just like get that under your belt and be like, all right, I've done it for once. And, yeah. Well, you were a rare non-red shirt at Stanford. Yeah, I was. I, I was one of the, I just, I got put in position where we struggled at first as an offensive line, the first few games in pass protection. And I was probably like the best pass protector we had. Um, at least like the, like AT Hall was our right tackle. And he was good, and I was probably the best next option. We had Dave Bryant at left, and he was 
really good and like really knew everything. I mean, he was such a crucial part of my, my freshman year. Um, but they wanted to put Dave down in guard and they put me in a tackle and I didn't know anything in terms of the playbook still, but I could pass protect. So after we lost to USC, like the second or third game of the season, uh, he pretty much was like, the line coach was like, Hey, like, we're going to put you in at left. And like, it's your job to lose. Like, go get them. And I was just like, okay, I'll try. <laughs> and so I went out there and like, I was able to do pass protection well. And then literally if it was a run play, I would look to Dave and be like, what am I doing? And he'd be like, we're going left. Like, I just like go, we started just getting like code words and I'd, I was figuring out more, but I mean, throughout that whole season, I was just like, dip, 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 dip. especially like where you were playing, like at, you know, Washington or wherever. And it's just so loud. And I'm just like screaming, like, what am I doing? Cause I just still didn't know so much of that playbook. So I mean, if it wasn't for Dave, I would have never made it out of that year, but uh, it was good. Like it was a good first year just to like figure it out. And I got to play a lot of games and like, just know that like I could do it. Uh, but also knew like I had, I had so much more to like get better at. Um, and so it was cool. It was a cool experience. as like a young guy. Um, yeah, and definitely not the usual at Stanford, but it was just kind of like we, there was a need and I was able to fill it at the time. One thing that people don't, they really probably wouldn't expect if you're not a, a serious football fan is the offensive line is often among the smartest on the team. Smartest guys, they're dealing with the most processing, arguably, yeah. of any position on the field. Yeah. Can you kind of let people in on, even at Stanford, and then I'm sure it sounds like it was basically one-to-one -one in the transition yeah. to the NFL because you were already running a pro playbook, but let people yeah. in on what, even a base play, what there is to consider and, and kind of what that communication and working as a unit on the offensive line really looks like. Yeah, I would say... So, like, obviously, quarterbacks are the most to deal with because they got to know the formation. They got to know, like, they got to make sure everyone's set up where they're supposed to be. They got to worry about motions and shifts. Um, and then they got to worry about if it's a pass play, like, route trees and the protection. But we're, like, I think people don't realize how much the offensive line has to deal with is, like, how much adjustment happens, like, mid-play. And so, say, you know, it's a jet protection you're sliding right, you know, man on the left side, but boom, like they come up in a double mug front and they got two linebackers in both a gaps. And then boom, one of them bails. So like you're sliding down to block them. One bails nickel comes off the edge and it's like, that stuff just happens. And when in you point watch two TV, seconds, yeah. exactly. it happens <laughs> so fast. But like when you watch on TV, no one knows, right. They just either see like, Oh, that was a sack. Like that line sucks. Or they see, like, it gets picked up and the ball's out and they're like, wow, what a great throw by that QB. It's yeah. never, like, you're never going to get compliments. It's always just like, oh, you messed up. Um, but that's what the side of things that I think. And then, like, run plays are the same way. Like, you have a, a wide zone scheme and you're expecting to go one way and then, boom, on the snap, safety rolls down, backers shift back. Or boom, like whole D line slants. This backer's now rolling down to play strong side. We got to reach out there, and it's just stuff that you practice so much, like during training camp mostly. But then, like 
a, a time that you never really expect it. It's just like, boom, happens on the fly. Yeah. And you just gotta like have it so ingrained in your brain that like, as soon as you see it and process it, you gotta go. And I think that that is definitely such a big thing that like for NFL linemen, they look for is just the ability to process quickly and see and react. Yeah. Cause you don't have enough time to know what's going to happen for sure. It's just so much of like playing fast and just, having things happen and then just go, you know, put a body on a body. Um, and then obviously in the NFL and at Stanford as well, like you have such good backs that yeah. as long as you can cover you know, most of the guys up, they'll make a guy miss and then they'll go run wild. And then, you know, hopefully you got a good quarterback too and a good wide receivers where same thing. Like if you can protect just enough, like if they're bringing exotic blitzes and you can just hold it for a second, and give the quarterback time to let a wide receiver just get out of his cut, and then the ball gets out. You know, those are huge plays. So, right, I yeah, it's a lot of that that I think people see a huge play, and it's like, oh my god, like what a throw! Like how did they let that guy wide open? And it's like, well, like the guy was wide open because they were blitzing the safety from the sky, expecting the O line not to be able to pick it up, and they were able to get it, or the back was able to come down and help to give the quarterback enough time to extend it, to throw it over the top. And right. it's just like nuances like that, that whenever I watch games with friends, or if you're ever watching like a bar or something, and I just like hear out comments, I'm like, ah, like y'all just, you don't understand. Like, oh, that sure that must started. drive you insane. That would drive yeah, you crazy. Well, it, it more, it drives me insane when they're just like, oh my God, this O-line stinks. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> what you don't know is like, that wide receiver is probably supposed to run that route, and blah, blah, blah. But, Every every O line deals with the same things. Like you're gonna get all the blame and very little credit. Right. Um, but I mean every position kinda has that. Like quarterbacks have the same thing where if you lose, it's always gonna be on the QB. So yeah. So before before I wanna get to talking about the NFL transition, of course. Um, before we get there, I wanna do I've kind of a two part question about really your freshman and sophomore year. First, I'll ask him back to back. First, I want you to tell me a little bit what it was like your freshman year. You had Bryce Love in the backfield, who hopefully people remember was a Doak Walker winner and Heisman finalist, total stud. So I want you to tell me about what it's like when you have a Heisman finalist running back behind you. And then also in those first two years, what was your most marquee like matchup that you faced? Um, I would say for the first question, having Bryce in the backfield was so cool. Um, I we just knew like, like I said, like if you put a body on a body and just like blocked it just for a second, it wasn't just like oh like we're gonna get a first down. It was like this thing's gone, and it really was. Like yeah. I remember there were certain plays where it's like all right, like if I get up to this backer, like this thing's gone, and boom, like play would happen, do stuff to the back or cover him up. And the next thing I would do is just like look up. And he was just like, boom, like past the <laughs> safety, just running. And like, there were so many times that year that like you would just be jogging, like jogging all the way down to the end zone from like the 25, just like chasing it. And like now, like being in the NFL, like you realize how rare that happens. And I felt like it was at least once a game that year that like we'd bust one from like our own 25. And it was just so cool. Like, he was so good about being patient and letting the play play out. And then, like, as soon as that hole was there, he would just burst. And then, like, as soon as he got on the second level, like, there wasn't a safety or a corner in the country that was going to tackle him. Like, he was shaking them 
or he would just beat him with straight speed. Like it was such a, it was, especially as like being a freshman, like it was so fun uh, to play with. Cause it was just like so many big explosive and like exciting plays happening all the time. Yeah. Um, and I definitely felt like that was going to happen forever. And then obviously like when he left and definitely when I got to like the NFL, you realize how like rare plays like that and players like him are. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. And then, yeah, like in terms of like a marquee matchup, I don't know. I don't feel like at that time, the big, the, the Pac-12, I should say, had any like huge defensive ends. But like, I mean, USC always had guys that were like highly recruited guys uh, that were really good. Uh, I think like, what was his name? Rashawn Green. Yep. Um, or Raheem Green. I can't Raheem remember exactly Green. what his name was. He was really good. Porter Gustin was also at USC at that time. They were really good. Oregon had two guys that were really good. Um, I mean, UW, Vita Bay was there. I wasn't inside, so thankfully I missed that. But they had some solid, like, edge guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there was ever, like, a huge matchup where, like, there was a stud that's, you know, now in the NFL that I can kind of say. But yeah, uh, it was solid competition. So, okay, so that's your freshman and sophomore year that we've really talked yeah. about. Going to your junior year, obviously, they're already mock drafts featuring yeah. you very very yeah. favorably and yeah. i'm sure that you're having no shortage of conversations about what that next chapter is going to look like while probably trying to stay present and then yeah. first game of your junior year yeah. season ending injury so yeah. tell that us about crazy. the combination of probably that hype going into it and then from a mental perspective being like oh my gosh the season is over yeah it was i mean so Going into that year, like you said, like I was like, all right. The mindset was, all right, like if I go and I play really well, I'll probably be able to like go to the draft this year and like probably get drafted in the first round. Right. Um, and I was like, all right, like worst case, if I don't play as well as I want, I'll come back next year and try it again. Uh, but obviously the goal was like play really well, like not to like get out of school, but just because I wanted to go in the first round, I wanted to play good football. Right. And so I had a really good training camp and really felt like I was a lot better than I was the year before. Um, and was like, wow, like this just football, like seemed easier. Like I knew what I was doing better. I felt like the matchups were easier. Um, I just felt like I wasn't really losing a whole lot in training camp. And I was like, wow, this is sick. Like this is really fun. And then I went out that first game against Northwestern and felt like I was playing like a really good game the whole game. Um, I thought like I was playing the best game I'd played yet at, like, Sanford. Then, yeah, we were pretty much in four-minute mode, um, trying to just run the ball, uh, kind of wind the clock down to win the game. And we had, like, a 47 duo. Um, and the three technique, like, looped out. And I, like, went to turn to, like, block him and, like, push him out. And then my knee just – I felt my knee almost felt like it was an ankle, like, twisting – but like it was in my knee joint and I was like, Oh my God, like that didn't feel right. So I'm laying on the ground and they come trainers come out to me and I'm like, what's up? And they're like, yeah, you dislocated your kneecap. And I was like, Oh, like that doesn't sound good. So they had to like relocate it, which stunk. It, pretty much they strain out your knee and the patella like goes back into place. So I hobbled off and was like, Oh, like this isn't ideal. Like this is probably gonna be a while. So shed some tears after that game. I was sad and just like disappointed because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to miss some time. 
Um, and then we didn't really know how long it was going to be. They were like, oh, maybe it'll be four to six weeks. And I kind of began rehabbing and it just like was not getting better. Um, and then I just kind of went and saw like the doctors again. And they're pretty much like, yeah, like if you don't get surgery on this, your kneecap's just going to keep popping out and it's just going to keep tearing up the cartilage in your knee. And like, it's going to make it hard to like play football for much longer. And I was like, well, that's not good. So ended up having to get surgery on like a, a small ligament called your medial patella femoral ligament, your MPFL. Um, got surgery on it and then, yeah, missed the whole rest of that season, which stunk because it felt like I would have at that point, you know, rather just like not played well than had to come back and like totally get it taken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it ended then and there. And in a, in a way, it was a blessing because I felt like I, I got a lot stronger like elsewhere um, and was able to just kind of really appreciate like how much I enjoyed football and how much I missed being around the team and stuff. But it stopped for sure. Um, and then, yeah, like that went into the following season, which was a COVID season. Which is wild. What was going uh, through your head at that leading into that season where you've been hurt, you missed the season, you're doing your rehab, yeah. and then it's all of a sudden, is this season even going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm like middle of rehab in the spring still. Just like figuring it out, like trying to get my knee back. I was like just about to kind of start getting to where I was able to like run again. And like we started catching wind of the COVID. I remember I was like super early on it because I was in this journalism class and our teacher had like pulled up to pull up different things from like all these different news outlets throughout the year and be like, Hey, if anyone wants to write a story about this, 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 and like she had brought up, like there's this like virus apparently going on in like Wuhan, China. And apparently a lot of people are getting sick. And we were all just like, oh, like, okay. And I remember like someone reported on it. And it was just like, oh, like, that sounds crazy. Like stinks for them kind of a thing. And then just like probably a month later, it was like full blown. Like, wow, this is not good. Like hopefully it doesn't get to the U.S. And then it was like in Seattle, I think first. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like this is crazy. And it was getting like the, the old folks homes up there and starting to kill like elderly. And I was like, oh my God. And then, yeah, I want to say a week or two later, like Stanford sent us all home. And that was just wild. Because at the time I was like excited to just be like, oh, I'm done with school. Like, yeah, and right. for me. It felt, it felt like, like extended spring break in the beginning. For sure. <laughs> I was like, this is sick. Like we're going to go home for a little bit. And yeah. then probably like two weeks, maybe even like a month. Like we'll be back. Like how sick is this going to be? And then you got home and then like, the world started shutting down. You're like, oh my God, like this is like the end of the world. Like it's all over. Like, so my mind, like wasn't that much on football. Right. Obviously. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. like, I wonder like how this world's going to progress. And then, yeah, like as time goes on, you start realizing like, all right, it's just going to be the kind of this weird COVID time. Everyone's going to be in mass, like social distancing. And I was like, all right, like I need to start figuring out rehab because like a season's going to be coming eventually. So that was tough trying to do a lot of rehab like over Zoom and stuff. Like that was an ideal. But whatever, like it goes on and then I go back that summer and we start training kind of later than everybody else. But um 
we got back training and then um we it was weird though we were training in masks and stuff I, i'll remember that forever like having to yeah. have a sweaty like one of those little blue like surgical masks over your face as you're like squatting like hundreds of pounds and you're like oh Ridiculous. my god like, what's going on <laughs> but yeah and then i remember we started getting rumblings of like the big 10 potentially canceling their season we were like wow that's crazy like definitely won't happen but have a crazy idea and then um it happened and then like and then immediately when that happened everyone was like apparently the pac 12s next and we were like gosh like please not us like why is this gonna happen and then i want to say it was literally like two days later we, i'd finished training i was out on course playing golf uh because it was middle of summer i was playing golf with davis mills Foster Serrell and Colby Parkinson. And like immediately all of our phones went like berserk. Like people are texting everyone. And I'm like, I remember Davis picked up his phone and was like, yeah, it's over boys. And I was like, what's over? And he was like, season just got canceled. And I was like, oh my God. And then like, we all went, looked at our phones. We like, parents were calling, like coaches were texting us. And I was just like, oh. and I remember we all were like playing really good golf. And so we were like, all right, like we were on like whole like five or six. We're like, we're just not going to deal with this until like we make the turn. Like, and then like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and like, I remember like we continued playing, like played a really good front nine. And then we made the turn. And I remember I called Callie, like our, like a lady who worked for the team. I kind of described her as our team mom. It was like, so like, is this like legit? Like, is it over? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, so like, are we supposed to go home? And she was like, like, she was like, you can stay like, cause at the time we were in a hotel. She's like, you can stay there or like, you can go home. And I was just like, all right. So like, that was it. And then like, I remember I went home and I was talking to like, this was days later. I'd gone home, had coach Shaw on the phone. and was just like, so like, what's like next? And he was like, honestly, Walker, like, the season's not going to happen. Like the way it's looking, like we're not going to be playing this year. Um, and I was like, so like, what does that mean for me? Like, do I just hang around for another year and like play or like, is it, would it be so dumb of me? Like try to go to the NFL. And he was like, he pretty much just told me like from what he knew that like, he thought I could still get drafted fairly high. And that like, he thought that was probably the best choice for me. It was just to like, go start training for, the combat that was at that point, like six months away and like, just get ready for the NFL. And I was like, okay. So it was bizarre in a ton of ways. And I know COVID was crazy for a lot of people, but yeah, it was a weird ending to like a football career there. Um, and definitely like an unfinished ending. Just never really felt like I got to play like a final season. Didn't get to play with like a lot of guys again that I would have loved to have played with. Um, so that was crazy. Um, and yeah, it wasn't ideal, but time went on and then, yeah, I started training them. I remember the season ended up happening kind of, I think they played like five or six games and probably if, like, as soon as it came out, they were coming, like Shaw, like called me and we were talking about seeing if I could like come back and play, but I, I maybe now with NIL would have been able to happen. But at that point, like I'd already taken money from my agent. I was already like training at a facility. I had had a rental car that he was paying for, like all this stuff. And so they pretty much were like, yeah, like it's, it's too far gone. You'd be ineligible. Yeah. 
So I wasn't able to pull it off. Um, so that's done. But I ended up just training in Pensacola, Florida for like ever for that combine. And then we didn't even get a combine. So that stunk. We they canceled the NFL combine and we ended up just doing a pro day back at Stanford, which was so weird as I hadn't been there in like months. Yeah. Go back and do the pro day. And then, yeah, I got still was able to get drafted in the second round, which was like insane to me. Uh, I was like hopeful it happened, but like I hadn't played in two years pretty much at that point. I mean, they were going off like my sophomore year tape. Right. Um, yeah, I got drafted to Jacksonville and I've been here since. It's amazing. It really is such a wild era for yeah. college football players. I mean, I spoke to Ian Book in another episode and he said the same thing. He had just opted in, opted out of the draft rather, and opted into coming back finish it out in Notre Dame and like makes this big decision and immediately same story you just told. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. There's not going to be a season. And yeah. So wild. I mean, absolutely wild. And so you didn't play, you hadn't played for two years and you end up being the 45th pick second round Jags. Um, Same draft as Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Trevor. Yeah. Trevor and Travis Etienne as well. Right. And uh, so, so you get to Jacksonville, and obviously there's what mini camp and, and yeah. uh, OTAs and things. But um, by the time you got to training camp and actually put the pads on, what were those first couple of days like? If you hadn't strapped on the pads yeah, in two I years, and now you're in the yeah. NFL, it was like similar. I mean, I it was I knew like mentally a lot better than I was as like a freshman at Stanford, but physically, like I hadn't played football in two years. I now was going from playing in the Pac-12 to playing, it's like the best, the best in the world. And right. it was just like, it took me a while, like physically to just start like competing and like playing at a high level again. And I'd say it probably took like, till probably like halfway through that season to where I even felt like I deserved to be on the same field with these guys. Like it just took a while and definitely like shot my confidence down at first. I felt like I'm just never going to be able to play in this league. Like hopefully I can, hang on and then i would say yeah like like halfway through i started getting where i i was starting to win a lot more one-on-one reps i was starting to like and you know if you're not a starter you are giving looks to the scout team so i was going against our ones in practice and i was starting to like win a lot more reps um and just felt like all right like i'm playing better football and then i ended up getting in like a few games one game against the bills like in the middle of the year and then i played against the Patriots and the Colts to end the year. Do you remember and, your first NFL snap? What was going through your head? Uh, yeah, I remember my first NFL start. I can't remember the snap, but I remember on the first drive, I either let up a sack or almost let up a sack. I was setting, and then the guard stepped on my foot. And I, like as I go to like reach, I just like feel it. I'm like, oh, no. And then like let up a hit or something. I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like This is going to be the worst game ever. And then... I got a grip and like was able to play like a fairly decent game. Uh, but yeah, that was beyond stressful playing in that game. <laughs> what, what made it more stressful too was it wasn't like something at like beginning of the week, like I was hurt and they were like, all right, like you're going to be out there. Like it was in pregame warmups, our starting left tackle had a back spasm and couldn't go. And like, we're about 10 minutes out from the start of the game now. And they're like, all right, Walker, you're up. And I'm like, what? And, like, the Bills at the time were the number one defense in the NFL. 
And I was like, are you kidding me? And like, at the time, we were not a great football team. It was like Urban Meyer's year with the Jags. Like, we were having a tough time already. And I was like, okay. Went out there and whatever. We actually won that game, which was insane. It was one of our three wins that whole year. Wow. We beat the Bills 9-6 to six in like <laughs> an absolute insane – I'm sure so many people lost so much money on that game. Yeah. Um, But it was – whatever it was a, it was a cool like experience then yeah i played a few more games that year and then uh yeah it's kind of been like that ever since talk a little bit about the nfl training approach mm-hmm. and how that varies from college where a lot of guys are being developed packing on weight getting stronger yeah versus high school where you're just you know trying to get as strong as you possibly can and, and yeah get by in the nfl yeah. it seems to be much more of a maintenance you know body For maintenance sure. and staying ready talk about that yeah, I would say NFL, I was, it's similar to what most people say. NFL is a lot more about staying healthy than it is, like, getting bigger, faster, stronger. Um, I mean, you're definitely trying to get, like, stronger each offseason. You're trying to get more athletic. But you're not really going to get, like, huge gains, per se. The, the best thing you can do for yourself is just getting, like, as strong as you can to stay as healthy as you can. Because the, the biggest thing, I think, in the league is, like, if you can stay healthy – and like feel good like you'll play well and like you will last longer in the league and like everyone always says that your best ability is your availability and it's very true especially in the nfl and so i think that's like a big difference and you're not in like a uh, a strength program that's so regimented that you can do whatever you want you can not do anything or you can go to you know alaska and go train up there you can do whatever you want so um it's very like wide open. And so I think definitely as like a rookie, um, it can be a little like intimidating, like what do I would do? And you kind of just figure it out. Um, but yeah, now like I'm, I stay in Jacksonville in the off season. I like the guys uh, that we have on our strength staff here. And it's just easier to have our whole facility and be able to use it all. And obviously a lot of people, the weather's not great in January where they are, but Jacksonville is pretty nice. So it's a luxury yeah. that we have, but um but yeah i would say that's the biggest difference okay and then being a tackle in the nfl an offensive tackle you are matched up against the position group that i think is comprised of the biggest group of freak athletes for sure in probably all of professional sports where you have yeah you know miles garrett nick bosa micah parsons talk a little bit just who are some of the guys some of the freaks that you've had to match up against yeah i mean micah parsons is a freak like tj watt's a freak Cleo Max, a freak, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa. Like, I mean, these guys are all just specimens. And, like, so the combination of just, like, speed and power, I don't think is really matched in any other, like, sport. And, like, athleticism, like, ability to bend. I mean, that's why they get paid as much as they are. Like, they don't grow on trees. So there's very few of them. But, I mean, they're just, like, freaks in nature. And I think so much of it, too, is – like very few tackles, if any, are you, are you ever going to like be able to out athlete these guys? Cause they are the best, of the best. It's just like when you play definitely like the best DNs to like a miles Garrett, so much your scheme that week is going to go into like trying to help the tackle, no matter who it is to make it easier on them so that they don't wreck the game. Um, Cause I think most offenses, especially offense coordinators will be like, we're not going to let their best player ruin this game for us. So you, you get help that way, but I mean, you're still going to have a handful of matchups where it's like, all right, like it's me and him. And so much of it's just like relying on your technique and like 
being as efficient as you can with your set and still like having a little confidence and like swagger to yourself to where when it gets like to that moment where like you got to make a play and like you got to stop him like you're not just sitting back and like shriveled up and waiting for him like go attack him and like take the fight to him and like play football like at the end of the day like they're all humans like they're gonna make mistakes you're gonna make mistakes but like if you can try to be as technically sound as you can and like minimize like you beating yourself um make them beat you like you'll have a, a good shot and at that point like you just gotta play and hope it goes your way the one final kind of sign off question i don't think i don't think offensive linemen get enough airtime. i don't yeah. think they find themselves you know doing podcasts and getting out there but it's such yeah. it, to me for if you're a real football head it's such an interesting position and obviously yeah, completely sure. integral to everything else for that sure. happens on the field that everyone cheers for for any players or even coaches offensive line coaches who are maybe listening to this what would your kind of piece of advice be when it comes to player development and where they should really focus most of their time yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone's going to be like, get big and strong, which is true. Like, get as strong as you can. Um, develop as much as you can. I would say try to be as athletic as you can, because especially, I think, sometimes in college and high school, the thought is so much about being so big and giant. Like, if you look at the NFL game, like, it's moved so much more towards being athletic and being able to run um as the d-line's gone quicker and then even more so as linebackers get quicker like you gotta be able to hang and like be able to run with these guys to some point so i would say like in terms of development like focusing on that and then just having like good fundament fundamentals i think it's like so evident too when guys come in from either good colleges or if they had a good coach somewhere else in life and like just have good fundamentals like you can get coached on everything else but just having like a good base, having a good knee bend, having uh, like finishing. Like it's all just like stuff that you probably get coached about and sometimes maybe don't care, but I think it goes a long way. Um, and then, yeah, like hopefully like you go to a program that runs somewhat of a pro style offense. So I, like, I was lucky in the fact that I came in and didn't have to worry as much about the playbook because um, it can be so hard, especially as a young guy in the league to figure out what the heck you're doing um but yeah just being able to kind of have your head on straight because as soon as you can kind of figure out what you're doing the play slows down and uh as soon as that happens you can really start to like show you know why you're such a good player so that's what i would say awesome walker thanks so much my only stanford <laughs> KA fraternity brother in the nfl exactly. i think that you are Please. certainly on your own yeah in that hundred uh... percent i am <laughs> in that regard but thanks so much. That was super fun. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brian. It was fun. Sweet, dude.